This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Russia stepped up its assault on eastern Ukraine ahead of the first anniversary of its invasion on February 24th. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, said the situation in the east had become tougher as Russian forces advanced near the city of Bakhmut. However, Ukrainian troops there are quietly confident of holding their enemy off. Russia wants to make gains before tanks and weapons from the west arrive in Ukraine. America's Federal Reserve raised its benchmark interest rate by one quarter of a percentage point to a range between 4.5% and 4.75%, following six consecutive larger increases. Jerome Powell, chair of the central bank, promised a couple more rate increases and warned not to expect rate cuts this year. The Fed is keen to impress upon investors that it will do whatever it takes to squelch inflation. The share price of the Adani Group continued to fall during early trading on Thursday after plunging 28% on Wednesday. The turmoil came after the firm called off a fully subscribed sale of $2.5 billion worth of shares in Adani Enterprises, the group's flagship firm, to insulate investors from losses. The conglomerate has been fighting the market since Hindenburg Research, a short seller, called it a giant con. Shell posted a record annual profit of $40 billion for 2022, more than double the figure from 2021. The British oil giant has profited from surging energy prices, pushed up by the war in Ukraine. Its natural gas business performed particularly well. It was a bumper year for many fossil fuel firms. ExxonMobil, an American competitor to Shell, has also reported a record profit. America signed a deal with the Philippines, granting it access to four military bases from which it will monitor China's aggression in the region. The Philippines is close to the South China Sea, which China mostly claims, and Taiwan, which it fully does. China's neighbours are increasingly pushing back on such expansionism. Meta's share price rocketed by almost a fifth in post-session trading after it reported quarterly revenues of $32.2 billion, down by 4% year-over-year but above forecasts. The social media firm also said it would buy back $40 billion of its shares. Earlier, a judge in California reportedly ruled that Meta can proceed with its acquisition of Within Unlimited, a virtual reality firm. The Federal Trade Commission had requested an injunction to block the deal. Australia's central bank said that King Charles III would not feature on the country's new $5 note. The British monarch, who is also Australia's head of state, has traditionally appeared on the currency. A motif honouring Aboriginal culture will take the king's place. The death of Queen Elizabeth II in September 2022 rekindled a debate on whether Australia should become a republic. And fact of the day. 100,000. The number of Russian exiles who have taken refuge in Georgia. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The Adani Empire under threat. What's next for the Adani Group? On Wednesday, the flagship company of the Indian conglomerate cancelled a secondary share offering, which had been fully subscribed, after its share price plunged. The route started last week when Hindenburg Research, an American short seller, accused the Adani Group of accounting fraud and share price manipulation, charges that it forcefully denies. 
the threat does not appear existential. Guatam Adani, the founder and until recently the world's third richest man, is considered an able operator, and his companies own many valuable assets. No rating agency has yet reappraised the group's debt, which boasts an investment grade. Yet it is hard to believe that Mr. Adani's grand investment plans will be unaffected. Between 2023 and 2027, his group was forecasted to spend more than $50 billion on investments. If the yields on Adani bonds remain elevated and its share prices depressed, securing the necessary funds will prove difficult. Foreign investors are not taking any chances. In just two days, global funds pulled out a net $1.5 billion from the Indian stock market. Sweden and Finland discuss NATO bids. When Sweden's Prime Minister Ulf Kristersson welcomes his Finnish counterpart, Sanna Marin, to Stockholm on Thursday, he will be looking for a show of solidarity. After Russia invaded Ukraine, the Nordic neighbors decided to give up their long-standing non-aligned status and applied to join NATO. But they were blocked by Turkey, which, like all NATO members, has a veto. Turkey extracted promises from both countries to crack down on residents associated with the Kurdistan Workers' Party, PKK, a violent separatist group in Turkey. Now, Turkey has new demands. Last month, for unknown reasons, a far-right Danish politician burnt a Koran outside Denmark's embassy in Stockholm. The act prompted protests across the Muslim world. Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, says he is ready to approve Finland's NATO application, but that Sweden must outlaw Koran burning before it can join. Mr. Christensen has condemned the act, but says his country's laws on freedom of expression are non-negotiable. Miss Marin will no doubt pledge to stand by her Swedish friends. Global democracy remains under threat. A steady retreat of democracy that began in 2016 at last came to an end in 2022. Yet a hoped-for revival did not materialize. According to the Democracy Index, an annual snapshot published by The Economist's sister company, EIU, the average score among 167 countries ticked up by just .01 points to 5.29 out of 10. More than a third of people worldwide still live under authoritarian rule and less than half in a democracy. The lifting of pandemic-related restrictions almost everywhere last year, China was a notable exception until December, improved scores in the civil liberties category, but any gains were wiped out by democratic backsliding elsewhere. A bungled attempt by the now-ousted president of Peru to shut down Congress resulted in the country's being downgraded to a hybrid regime. Burkina Faso suffered not one, but two coups. But it was Russia that recorded the biggest democratic decline of any country in the world, falling 22 places to 146th. The BOE's Interest Rate Decision 
The Bank of England is expected to raise its interest rate to 4% on Monday from 3.5%. The key question, though, is what signal the central bank's nine-member monetary policy committee will send about the pace of future rises. In November, it noted that market expectations of where rates would peak were higher than its own. Market interest rates have since come down. The committee may be more uncertain than usual about prospects for inflation, and thus interest rates. The bank's governor, Andrew Bailey, has suggested that falling wholesale gas prices will make it easier to reduce inflation without steep increases in rates, which would be good news for the company. But the bank's chief economist has warned that pressure to push wages higher in response to inflation looks stronger in Britain than in America or Europe. If so, interest rates may have to continue rising more quickly and steeply than some observers expect. Why China Chooses to Forget Zhang Hongbing's mother was executed in 1970 after being branded a counter-revolutionary. Such horrors were not uncommon during the Cultural Revolution, a decade of Maoist madness that began in 1966 and saw up to two million people killed for supposed political transgressions. But the case of Mr. Zhang's mother stands out because he and his father had been her accusers. Mr. Zhang's memory of the event seems strange to Tania Brannigan, the author of Red Memory. He existed in it as a Maoist algorithm, inputs, rules, outputs, she writes. How people remember the Cultural Revolution, or why they have forgotten it, is the theme of her penetrating book. China's leader, Xi Jinping, has suppressed discussion of the Cultural Revolution. He has accumulated more power than any leader since Mao Zedong and created his own cult of personality. What makes the era's lessons so vital is also what makes them impermissible, writes Miss Brannigan. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers, and as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday. What is the name for a one-wheeled passenger seat attached to a motorcycle or scooter? Wednesday. Which magazine did Helen Gurley Brown edit for 32 years? Finally, here's the quote of the day from James Joyce, who was born on this day in 1882. Love loves to love love. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.